0: Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message.
1: If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me once again to Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, we'll also be looking at Genesis 39, so keep your finger in both places. We're continuing our series today, Monday Matters, and today's message is titled, Serving God at Your Job. Serving God at Your Job. Have any of you ever watched the cable TV show, Dirty Jobs, or Somebody's Gotta Do It? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, a few of you have seen it, yeah. Each episode featured the the main uh, character, I guess you would call it, or the host of the show, uh, Mike Rowe, and he was doing some of the world's most difficult, strange, disgusting, and messy jobs alongside of the typical employees that do that kind of work every day. So some of the featured dirty jobs included being a bat cave scavenger, worm dung farmer, roadkill cleaner, sewer inspector, and a snake wrangler, and a host of other filthy and disgusting jobs. But he really elevated these everyday workers and the essential services that they provide. And after watching a few episodes, I think it'd probably make all of us very grateful for our jobs, because we're not having to do some of those things, amen? But sometimes the reason that we hate Mondays is because we don't like our jobs, or we don't like where we are at in life. According to a Gallup poll, 70% of people said they don't like their job to some extent. 70%, that's seven in every 10 people. Maybe you are one of those seven, amen? Yeah, some of you are like, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, for that reason, as someone has said, Monday morning has become Monday moaning for many people but God wants to transform our Mondays and our work into something that brings meaning and makes an impact for his kingdom. And Paul teaches us that work is actually a part of our worship to God because our worship extends beyond Sundays to Mondays and every other day of the week because our worship is not an event that takes place on Sunday morning worship is a lifestyle. Amen. It's the way we live. Read with me if you will. Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to actually read it from the message version. Uh, Last week I read it from the New Living, but I'm going to read it from the message version because I think it kind of gives us a different slant or perspective of understanding. It says this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Other versions, of course, say, therefore, by the mercies of God, I plead with you to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. But what we're talking about here is living our life as an act of worship to God. So worship is a lifestyle. It encompasses doing everything in our life in a way that honors God and fulfills his goodwill and purpose, and that includes honoring God with our work. God doesn't only want to to bless you on Sunday and use you on Sunday. He wants to bless you and use you on Monday and every day of the week, even if we don't like our job and even if we don't like where we're at in life presently. There's a man in the Bible named Joseph who found himself in some undesirable jobs. But he faithfully did his work as unto the Lord, and God blessed him. God used him and God promoted him. Now I know we've been doing a series on Wednesday nights on the life of Joseph called Advancing Through Adversity, and I encourage you uh, to join us on Wednesdays for that series, but we're gonna look at the life of Joseph from a little different uh, perspective today, looking at his work life and how he worshiped God with his work life. One, uh, most of you are familiar with the story of Joseph. He was just 17 years old when we are introduced to him in the book of Genesis, and he had 11 brothers. But he was dad's favorite. And because he was dad's favorite, his brothers were jealous of him and they hated him. A dysfunctional family in many ways, and we've all got them, amen? (laughs) We all got some families that we got some mess in our families, amen, myself included. But one day, God gives him two visions of how he was going to raise him up in leadership. And even his brothers and his parents are one day going to bow down to him. And he gets excited, of course, and he runs out and tells his brothers, expecting, I guess, that they would be happy for him as well, but not so. They were enraged with jealousy. They threw him in a pit while they plotted to kill him. If it had not been for the intervention of his eldest brother, Reuben, who said, no, no, let's let's not kill him. Look, there's a band of slave traders passing by. We can make some money. Why don't we sell him as a slave? And it was because of Reuben's intervention that Joseph was not killed, but he was sold as a slave to a band of traders who were headed towards Egypt. And so he went from being a free man, a, a, a young man of privilege in somewhat wealthy Sheik's family and, and, and being the favorite son. But he went from all of that privilege to wearing, uh, uh, to, to, to being in chains, to being shackled and to be carried to Egypt as a slave. So suddenly he finds himself in a foreign country with a different language, a different culture. He doesn't know what what to do. Uh, He doesn't know where to turn. He's all by himself. And just imagine for a moment how he must have felt about his first job. A slave in Potiphar's house. That was certainly not the life that he was dreaming about or the future that he had imagined and he could have easily become bitter and frustrated, and he could have chosen to do the bare minimum required of him as a slave, and nobody would have blamed him for it. But that's not what Joseph did. Read with me, if you will, Genesis chapter. 39 and I'm going to read verses 2 and 3. I'm reading from the New King James. It says the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Joseph excelled in his work as a slave because Joseph was not doing it for his earthly master Joseph was doing it for his heavenly master. And for that reason, God blessed him and made everything he touched to prosper. And you know what, that blessing caught the attention of Joseph's owner, Potiphar. So what did Potiphar do? Potiphar promoted him and put him in charge of everything that he owned. Now, things are starting to look up for Joseph, right? Uh, uh, He's going to be advancing, even though it's not the job he probably hoped for or wanted. But there's advancement coming. But unfortunately, there would soon come another major blow. Potiphar's wife set her eyes on this handsome young man and she started doing everything she could do to seduce him. She probably put on some sexy clothes, put on the Egyptian makeup, walked in and swung her hips from side to side and batted her eyes. Come with me, Joseph. And she did this day after day after day. And one day, you know, because Joseph wasn't getting her, her hints, I guess, she laid hands on him not to pray for him. She laid hands on him to do something else, amen? And Joseph said, I can't do this thing and sin against my God, so he ran away, and because she was laying a hold of him, uh, she took off his outer cloak, and she used that as evidence to falsely accuse him that he tried to rape her. And so Joseph ends up being put in prison. But even in prison the Lord was with Joseph, and the scripture says the Lord blessed him, and he found favor with the warden, and he was promoted to be the trustee over the entire prison. And this prison was the royal prison where the king's servants were held when they fell into disfavor. And while Joseph was there, he made a connection that would later bring promotion in his life Two of Pharaoh's servants had a dream. And because God used Joseph in the interpretation of dreams, Joseph told the baker, the Pharaoh's baker, in three days your dream means you're gonna be put to to death. He told Pharaoh's butler, your dream means in three days you're gonna be restored to service and when you are, remember me. So just like Joseph said, the baker was put to death in three days, the butler was restored to Pharaoh's service in three days. But the butler didn't keep his word because he forgot about Joseph. And Joseph remained in prison. And you know what, Joseph could have become bitter and frustrated and angry, and he could have had an attitude in prison, and he could have acted up in prison, but he didn't. He worked, he he, uh, faithfully did what he needed to do, and he excelled in his work even in prison. Not a desirable job, but he was doing it on to the Lord. And Joseph, would later be remembered to Pharaoh when Pharaoh had a troublesome dream that nobody could interpret. And suddenly, years after the promise had been made, the butler says, you know what? I remember there was a guy in prison that was able to interpret my dream and that's when Pharaoh called for Joseph, and Joseph was able to interpret the troublesome dream that he had, and God gave Joseph a plan with wisdom to save the nation because the dream was about seven years of abundant harvest and seven years of terrible famine, and the Lord gave Joseph a plan with wisdom to save as much as they could during the seven years of abundance so that they would have enough to carry them through the seven years of terrible famine. But what a career path for Joseph from being the favorite son, to being thrown into a pit, to being sold into slavery, to end up in prison, and then finally promoted to the second highest position in Egypt, where the wisdom that God gave Joseph would end up saving not only the nation of Egypt, but also preserve the Israelites during those seven years of terrible famine. Joseph's life teaches us several truths about serving God in our job, even when we may not like our job or we may not like where we are at work. The first principle is that we need to believe that God has placed us where he wants us to be believe that God has placed us where he wants us to be if we have trusted our life to God the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God a step is the smallest progression you can make forward he didn't say the leaps and the bounds are ordered by God but the steps so if we have trusted ourselves to God then we have to trust that God has placed us where we are Now, God's plan may not always be evident to us at the moment. We don't always understand God's plan when we are in the midst of the unfolding of that plan. So at 17 years old, God gave Joseph this wonderful dream that he was going to raise him up uh, into leadership, but I'm sure that Joseph never imagined that the path to the fulfillment of that dream would take him to the pit, to a slave in Potiphar's house, and to prison. So one moment, (coughs) Joseph is rejoicing in the vision that God had given him, and then he finds himself in the pit, and everything seems to go downhill from there. And you know, sometimes that's what happens in our life, right, we start out young and excited, and we have dreams, and we have visions, but life doesn't always go on the straight path to where we expect it to go, amen? But we have to trust that if we have given our heart to Christ, that he is guiding the path of our life. I'm sure that Joseph didn't want to be betrayed by his brothers. I'm sure that Joseph didn't want to be taken as a slave to Egypt. I'm sure that Joseph certainly did not want to end up in prison. And many of us today may be in a job that we don't want to be in or a place in life that we never expected to be. We may be in a place in life that, that uh, it seems as though our life has just gone down the tubes, so to speak. We had such dreams, we had such visions, and those dreams and visions seem to be getting further and further away. Maybe we've been treated unjustly in our jobs. Maybe we've had a bad boss that wants us to do things that are not right and uses threats to pressure us, like Mrs. Potiphar. We may wonder, God, what in the world are you doing with me? And how can this possibly be a part of your plan? How can I possibly serve you in this place? I'm sure Joseph had similar questions for God as well because Joseph was human just like we are. In the end of the story, after Joseph became prime minister of Egypt, so to speak, his brothers would have to come down to Egypt to get grain during the time of famine. And of course, initially they didn't recognize Joseph, but when Joseph revealed himself to to them, they were afraid, because they thought, oh no, we know what we've done, he knows what we've done, and now he's gonna take vengeance on us. But because Joseph had trusted himself to the Lord, he was not filled with bitterness. And he said to them, what you meant for evil, God has turned for good to save many lives, amen? And what what Joseph was saying is God had a plan for my life. And even all the bad stuff that you did to me and the bad stuff that happened thereafter, God used it as a part of his plan to get me closer and closer to the destiny of raising me up in leadership that he had promised. So it was clear in the end for Joseph how God had worked all of this together. But I wonder if it was that clear when he was going through the hardships, when he was in prison and year after year passed by and it seemed like he would live the rest of his life behind bars. Was it that clear to him then that God was in control? You know, folks, we don't need faith if we can see everything clearly. We need faith when we cannot see what God is doing or understand God's plan. But we say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you anyhow. And I believe that's what Joseph did. Joseph was probably there rotting away in prison and saying, God, I don't understand how this fits into the vision and dream that you gave me. But all I can do is trust you. And so I'm going to do my best for you while I'm here. Hallelujah. Amen. So we don't always understand God's plan as it is unfolding, especially in the seasons that are painful and difficult. We may understand God's plan in the season of promotion and blessing, amen, but not in the times of painful circumstances and difficulty. But we need to trust no matter what the season, no matter what the circumstance, that God has a plan. One of my favorite scripture verses Jeremiah My2911, if you've got lipstick or shoe polish or anything else to write with, circle this in your Bible, amen, and then memorize it. The Lord says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. No matter where we are at in life right now, no matter how bad it may seem, we can trust that God has a plan for our good. Amen? And that if we have surrendered our life to Him, God has placed us where we are right now for a purpose. Even if you have a difficult job, a difficult boss, even the the people you work with stress you out. And even if you are miserable in your job, God has a plan and God has a purpose for you. And find joy in the fact that God has a purpose for you even in that miserable job. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. God has a reason for the season that you are in. I want to say that again. God has a reason for the season that you are in and he will give you the grace and the strength to thrive in that season. He will bless you and cause you to prosper right where you are, just as he did for Joseph in slavery, just as he did for Joseph in prison. God can bless you in the worst of circumstances if you will continue to trust and honor him. Amen? And also, God promises that he will always be present with us in all circumstances. God never promised to explain why we are where we are in life, but he does promise the who that will get us through. He has promised that he will be with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, as I read through Genesis 39, I was struck by the fact that four times We read the same phrase, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. As a slave, the Lord was with Joseph. In prison, the Lord was with Joseph. Whatever circumstances, no matter how bad they were, the Lord was with Joseph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God was with Joseph. All through every difficult circumstance. Even in the worst circumstances of his life, God was there with him, giving him the strength, giving him the grace to remain faithful, and God was working to accomplish his good will and purpose for Joseph. Do you know that it was 13 years from the time that Joseph was thrown into the pit until he was promoted to the palace? You know, we are a generation with a microwave mentality, and we apply that to God as well. And if God doesn't move in short order, we get upset at God, we get angry at God, we get bitter with God, sometimes we turn our back on God because, oh God, I trusted God and he didn't do, how long did you trust God, a minute, you know? Joseph, 13 years, and every step of the way along those 13 years seemed to be taking him further away from the fulfillment of God's dream. But he kept trusting God. Folks, that's what faith is. As someone has said, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And if we just have faith in the good times and in the instantaneous answers to prayer, that's not real faith faith is when you see nothing and say God I can't see you doing anything I don't understand but still I will trust you still I will trust you 13 years of being mistreated enslaved lied about falsely accused unjustly imprisoned and then forgotten 13 years But God was with him every moment, in every circumstance, and God was working to fulfill the vision he had given Joseph. People may forget you like Pharaoh's servant forgot Joseph, but God will not forget you, nor will he forget the promise or the vision that he has for your life. You may be feeling in your job or some other aspect of your life right now God, what is going on? Where are you? Have you forgotten me? But just as he was with Joseph, he is with you. He says, I am the Lord your God, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Hallelujah. Believe that the Lord has placed you where you are. Believe that he has a plan. And believe that he has promised to be with you. Now, the second principle, be faithful where you are now and trust that God's got your future covered. Be faithful where you are now and trust that God's got your future covered. You've got to bloom where God has planted you. You know, that's an old adage, right? And it simply means to thrive in your present situation, whatever it may be. Pastor Randy Canopy tells the story of a time away from his church while he was struggling with failure and he had taken a break uh, just to deal with what he was feeling and what have you. So he was out in the country, just a time of refreshing and what have you, and he was walking by a cow pasture. And he stopped to gaze, pondering uh, on the green pastures that he imagined God leading him through. And suddenly his attention was drawn in the midst of that green pasture to a big, round, flat, brown, dried-out pile of cow poop. And there was a single beautiful flower growing out of the midst of that pile of cow poop. It was blooming, and it was doing its best to grow as God had designed it, to bloom as God had created it, even though it was surrounded by a foul stench and a horrid mess. Somehow, God gave that flower the ability to bloom where it had been planted. Are you getting it yet, folks? So the pastor thought to himself, sometimes our lives can seem like that, like we're in the midst of a big pile of unpleasantness. I know you thought I was going to say something else. (laughs) And we've just got to be faithful to God and do our best to bloom where he has planted us to grow in spite of the stuff that's being heaped on us and the stench that overpowers our best efforts to make the world a better-smelling place. (laughs) Yet bloom we do, he says, because the power of God is life. It is life-giving, it is life-sustaining, and it is life-enhancing. The light will shine, and the darkness cannot overcome it, he said. Whatever circumstances you are in right now, child of God, if you will trust him, God will give you the grace and the strength to bloom where you are planted. When Joseph first got to Potiphar's house, he wasn't in charge. That came later. He was the rookie slave, the low man on the totem pole who would get the worst jobs. He probably had to do stuff like cleaning out the outhouse. But you know what? Joseph was faithful, and he excelled at everything he did, and God blessed him, and he prospered. When he first got into prison, he wasn't in charge. He wasn't a trustee. He started out just doing menial tasks. Maybe he was cleaning the bathrooms but you know what? He was doing it for the Lord. So he was faithful, and he excelled in what he did because Joseph was faithful to the Lord in prison. God knew he would be faithful in the palace, so God knew he could be trusted with promotion. Folks, there are opportunities right where you are now, no matter how bad your situation may seem, there are opportunities to bloom for the Lord. Be faithful in your now. Your now might be a difficult marriage, a health challenge, financial problems, or a job that you hate. That might be your now. Be faithful. Excel in your now, and God will take care of your future. God will prosper you, and he will take you where he wants you to go if you remain faithful. Then we need to believe that God's Purposes surpass our present. Regardless of what your current situation, your current job or career is, God has a greater purpose for you. 1 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. As a teacher in the public school system, you are Christ's ambassador to your students and to the other teachers. As a nurse or doctor, you are Christ's ambassador to your patients. As a construction worker, you are Christ's ambassador to your job site. Whatever your job, your purpose is much greater than your task. Wherever Joseph went, others could see the blessing of God on his life. Whatever he did, Joseph had an influence for God. And ultimately, God would increase his influence to prime minister in Egypt where through the wisdom of God many lives would be saved including the fledgling nation of Israel through whom the Messiah would eventually come. Whatever you do God wants to use you to be an influence for him in the lives of others to draw them unto himself. You are at your job not just to get a paycheck. You are there to work for the Lord. That is his ministry assignment for you at this present time. You are his ambassador, his representative in your workplace. He wants to use you to bring others to him. You may not be where you want to be in life, but you are where God has placed you at this time if you have trusted yourself to him. So bloom where you are planted. Be faithful, be fruitful, excel in all that you do because it will increase your influence so that your life and your words will testify of God. Take God with you wherever you go. Take God with you wherever you go. God was with Joseph wherever he went. God was with him in the pit. God was with him in Potiphar's house as a slave. God was with him in prison. Take God with you wherever you go. And it was evident to others that God was with Joseph. Folks, don't leave God in church on Sunday morning. Don't leave God at home at your altar of prayer before you go out the door. Take God to work with you. Ask him to guide your day. Ask him to open opportunities for you to share Christ. Ask him to let your light shine brightly so others will see him in you. Ask him to use you as you go about your work. God can and will do extraordinary things in the ordinary routines of our work when we surrender ourselves to him. But it all starts with surrendering our lives to him as our Lord and Savior. It starts with a relationship with God through Christ because we have all sinned and sin has separated us from God. That's the whole reason that Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived a sinless life, and then he offered that life on the cross for us as a sacrifice. He took our place and paid the penalty for our sin. So that today, when we place our faith in Jesus and we repent of our sins, we are born again, we are forgiven, and we are made spiritually alive, and we are brought into right relationship with God. And that is the first step in beginning to experience the unfolding plan of God for your life. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you have never repented of your sins and the word repent simply means to turn away from, you, you realize you've been heading in the wrong direction and you make a U-turn and say, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live for you. And you ask God to forgive you of your sin and you place your faith in him. In that moment, you are forgiven. You are made spiritually alive and you become a child of God. So if you would say, pray for me pastor, I want to Turn to God in faith and repent of my sins. I want to be a child of God. Or if you would say, pray for me, Pastor. I gave my heart to Christ once, but I've drifted away, and I know I need to come back. If that's you, you would say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Just slip your hand up. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Just slip your hand right up. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Those that raised your hand, you can put it back down. I'm going to ask you just to pray this simple prayer with me right now. And church, pray it along with me to encourage those that are praying it for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life and I turn to you. I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, congratulations on making the best decision of your life. And we welcome you to the family of God. We would ask you if you just prayed that prayer, if you would take your phone out right now and just text uh, your email address to the number on the screen. And the reason that we want to do that is we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you to understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord because that prayer you just prayed is a beginning and not an ending. Yes, can I help you, Frida? Okay. Let, let's do that. She has a little testimony she wants to share. So, there you go. Can you help me? Sure, what do you want me to say for you? She doesn't like to speak publicly, so.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not a good speaker. On Friday, after my job, I don't know how I started. I didn't know what Pastor Maria wanna talk today about the job, about the God. After my job, I just drive and sit, I think it was an uphill and some bench. And I write something. Of Germany, and I translate of the English. No matter what I went through in my life, no matter what my life had done with me, I never lost my faith and was and will always be grateful for everything God gave it
1: to me. Amen. Amen.
0: I learned it as a child from my mother, God loves hard worker, just keep going and no matter what you do, never forgot, God is always with you and protect you. I born in Persia, I born in Persia, 1958. At 17, I finished my college and everything as architect, graphic designer, and house engineer. 1979, because of the revolution in Persian, we have to leave. And somehow, we was in Germany. Around 40 years in Germany, I worked As architect, graphic designer, and house engineer, I built it, no matter what. 2007, somehow because of health, I come in US. I worked for the 16 doctor offices, the cleaning cleaned the bathroom, cleaned everything. I never asked God why. I work it right now in the McDonald's. Everybody knows that. I'm grateful. I thank God and I never ever ask it why. I trust God.
1: Amen, amen. Praise the Lord, praise God. You can see that no matter what she's gone through, you know, she's a a, a licensed architect, engineer, and what have you. But here in the U.S., she's not been able to work like that, you know. But nonetheless, she's continuing to trust God. Amen? And that's the kind of faithfulness that we're talking about. Amen. Thank you for sharing. So let's ask God to help us as well, to trust his plan for us. Sometimes we don't understand why we are where we are at the moment but we just have to bloom where God has planted us, right? And we need to take God with us wherever we go and say, God, use me. God, use me. Amen? And if that's your heart's cry to say, God, I want to bloom where you've planted me. I want to trust you and be faithful where I am, and I want you to use me. If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet and just make your way to this altar for a few moments as we just pray and give ourselves to the Lord this morning in a fresh way? hallelujah thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord hallelujah hallelujah thank you lord thank you lord just talk to god from your heart right down here make that commitment to the lord in your own words father we just thank you this morning for Farida's testimony we thank you that it is a living example of trusting you in all the seasons of life lord god And Father, we come before you today and we want to be able to trust you like Joseph did, to trust you as Farida does, Lord God. So Father, we just stand before you today and say no matter what the circumstances, no matter where we may find ourselves in life right now, even if it's not what we expected or hoped for, Lord God, we are trusting our life to you. We are trusting that you have a good plan and a good purpose for us, Lord God. And Lord, we just commit ourselves to you that wherever you have us at the moment, we are going to bloom where you have planted us. We are going to be fruitful for you, Lord God. Father, we are going to take your presence with us with the assurance that you will be with us, Lord God. And we ask you to use us. Let the light of Jesus shine brightly through us so others might see you and come to know you, Lord God. Father, we commit ourselves to this and we ask the help of your Holy Spirit that we may be able to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.